This is the Wine World, where Heine Johansson interview top-of-the-pops wine people from all over the world. Welcome so much to Simone Visari. You're the brand ambassador for Bella Vista. Welcome. Thank you very much. Would you tell us a little bit about uh, where is Bella Vista? Where do you make your wine? First of all, I want to thank you for this huge opportunity. I know that the period is pretty strange. It has been a long time since your last uh, live interview, so I'm really happy to be here. I feel like I'm always, uh, I'm also really lucky because um, uh, I discovered out that from tomorrow, Italy will be a red zone, so it was the last day I was allowed to come here. I'm here to talk you, uh, with you about uh, Bella Vista. Uh, we are in a small region inside a bigger region. You know, Bella Vista is uh, in Lombardia. Lombardia is maybe the most important uh, region for economy in Italy. Milano is placed uh, in Lombardia, for example. Uh, it is a pretty wide region. And Brescia, uh, it is the, the, the city where Franciacorta is located. Franciacorta is a small region, I like to define it, because uh, it isn't officially an origi- a region, but it is a place del- delimited by natural borders. We got uh, the Alps, so the mountains on the north, and we got uh, a little mountain in- on the south that is named uh, Mount Orphan. And in the east, uh, at east and at west, we got two cities. So Franciacorta region is something we will never change, we will never enlarge. It's a pretty small region, so we got... Uh, 3,000 hectares of uh, vineyards, that is not so much, and uh, a total production of uh, 17 and a half million bottles. Uh, I like to compare it to bigger regions like uh, Prosecco, for example, that maybe everyone knows. Prosecco produces uh, alpha billion bottles. So we are like uh, an ant looking at an elephant. In Franciacorta we produce wine since almost 300 years, but we produce sparkling wines only since 1961. The first winery starting producing wine was uh, Berlucchi, that is maybe the most historical uh, winery in, uh, in Franciacorta. And uh, Bella Vista was born uh, in uh, 1977. So we are pretty young, mm, comparing to other wineries all around the world, especially in Italy. But uh, in Franciacorta, we are one of the oldest. What was the history of sort of uh, starting with uh, sparkling wine in Franciacorta? Because there is some obvious similarities to champagne for instance and you use a bit of the same grapes and also the same way of making wine i will be honest with you at the beginning franciacorta was totally copied from champagne the the the, the technique and the the inspiration born in franciacorta were were taken from champagne because champagne was the point we would reach we wanted to reach about four years ago when in uh, 1961 Berlucchi started making sparkling, the Franciacorta region was a really poor region since uh, all the wine produced there was uh, a bad wine, uh, a wine very, very simple for the families uh, around there. When Franco Zigliani, who was the winemaker that uh, started producing sparkling wine, had the, the idea to start producing those kind of wine, everyone, I guess, in, in that zone thought he was crazy because no one could con- could ever figure that uh, sparkling could happen there. So they started producing wine in 61 using the Champenoise method, so uh, they did copy at all the method. And I guess we went on that uh, road for about 30 years before understanding that we couldn't be ever champagne. 
because champagne you know uh, it is the best in their way of making wine but what we did realize is that we didn't have to make champagne we did have to make franciacorta so in the last i guess 20 25 30 years uh, we are really focused on making our own wine so we got the method that is the champenoise method that is obvi- obviously the, the best method to produce sparkling wine so we go on using that but we try to use franciacorta identity do you think that um Altalanga, who's now starting to make uh, sparkling wine in Piedmont, is now copying Franciacorta. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think we can we can say that maybe we can be a little bit of inspiration. I guess Altalanga is a wonderful place, a wonderful climate, and a wonderful soil. So they will be they will rock in a, in some years they just have to experience a little bit and uh, go on, on on the road they are they are starting i don't think they are copying uh, since uh, maybe we can be a sort of inspiration for them just to reach what we did in a faster way than them would you talk a little bit about the appellation of the denomination of uh, franciacorta yeah sure you know franciacorta mm, the first thing I would like to say is that uh, the origin of the name Franciacorta. Uh, you know, Franciacorta, translated from Italian, means uh, uh, short France. Because Francia is France and uh, uh, Corta is short. Uh, so everyone, in Italy especially, thinks that uh, we named Franciacorta uh, the region because we inspired to, to France. But it isn't like that. The, the names come from Latin, come from the past. Uh, in the past, the, all the area around the Franciacorta was uh, a swamp. So there was nothing else than swamp. Uh, and uh, the only people living there were monks in the churches uh, or in the abbeys. Every day, monks went to the swamp and they, take care, they took care of a little piece of land and they converted the swamp into crops. In Italy, we call crops uh, corte, so court, something like that. And the church uh, in Italy doesn't pay taxes in the past as well. So uh, in Italy we say that uh, when someone don't pay taxes, it's something Franco. So the original name was Curte Franca, coming from the Latin. Uh, year by year the name changed, and uh, nowadays it is Franciacorta. So this is more or less the origin of uh, the name of Franciacorta. After that, in um, 1961, the name Franciacorta was used... Uh, on the labels of uh, of the first sparkling wines made by Berlucci family, and the name grew up. Nowadays, we got 126 producers in Franciacorta for a total production, as I said before, of 17.5 million bottles, a really small production. And I have to say also that uh, almost half of the production is made by only three producers, Bella Vista, Cadel Bosco, maybe known, and Berlucchi, the founders of uh, Franciacorta. So nowadays we produce almost uh, wine with just three kind of grapes. So Chardonnay mainly, uh, Pinot Noir, and a little bit of Pinot Blanc. We decided to set some laws to Franciacorta, so everyone has to follow. And we have some typical Franciacorta wines, such as the Satin. And we have some classical wines, um, such as uh, Brut, Extra Brut, and Cuvées. Are there any limitations? Uh, do you have to keep the wine on the lease for a certain amount of time before you're allowed to call it Franciacorta? Yes, we got, uh, I think, one of the most strict 
rules in uh, in, in wine making uh, all around the world. Since uh, a wine has to be at least twenty four months on the lease before exiting the the winery, the cellar. And uh, as I said before, we must use some kind of grapes. And for certain type of wines, we must use some percentage of grapes. Or in another case, for example, for satin, we must have a certain pressure inside the bottle. So we got some strict rules about the production. I think as well, because uh, you're talking about uh, the French Accorta starting only in the 1960s. But of course, the DOC only started in 63, and then we didn't have the first DOCGs until 1980. So, so this is really in the same time as Italy is going through this revolution of quality uh, in the wine area as well. And where you start to see these wine producers who are now become have now become legends and very famous and i think for the french accorte it it might have come in on the very right uh, time uh, as well to to sort of take part in that build up of uh, famousness for for italian wine and quality for italian wine as well um, i've been talking a bit with uh, producers from champagne on climate change and where the smaller producers are saying that, of course, we have a lot of problems, challenges with climate change. They're talking about having to find new Pinot clones to be able to continue producing the style of champagne they have now. They're talking about uh, the obvious problems of frost and hail and things like that. Is that something you're seeing in French Accorte as well? Thank you for this question. Uh, it is uh, something I, I always like to talk about because... Uh, I guess a part of the world is negating what is happening and uh, another part, I guess, like us, uh, is uh, often victim on, of uh, what's happening. You know, we see every day uh, lots of people negating what, what is effectively happening. The climate is really changing. We are facing it. We are finding it out every day. And uh, frost and hails are even more often than every other period in the history. And we feel like the medium temperature is growing up. We've, we feel that. And we, as I said before, the only thing that we can do is uh, just to adapt for now. The situation now, it isn't that critic to... We don't need to rush for something since uh, we are studying it. Uh, we are trying to be prepared when uh, maybe the situation will uh, become worse. Uh, but for now, we are just adapting ourselves to, to the climate. Uh, what we're doing is uh, uh, we are year by year, we are starting uh, the harvest a little bit earlier since uh, we don't want to take uh, and collect uh, grapes that is too mature. We are also trying to prepare the plants to what can happen. For example, this year was uh, a wonderful year for, uh, except from the diseases coming from the uh, actual situation. It was a wonderful year. The nature was uh, fantastic with us. And uh, in the middle of July, a lot of rains started in Franciacorta. But it was something that we never saw before. A huge amount of water came down from the sky, and a lot of small cities and a lot of small producers had really struggles with uh, all this rain. 
I would say we did prepare the plants to that. And the only way you can prepare the plants is uh, by educating them. We started about 25 years ago, very good collaboration with Marco Simonit. Marco Simonit is one of the most important agronomists in the world. He works as well for uh, Leroy family in, in Burgundy or for Cheval Blanc in, uh, uh, in Bordeaux. And uh, uh, when he started working with us, he showed us that the only thing we could do was to treat in a better way the plants. Because if you treat the plants in a good way, the plants will be stronger and they will resist to everything that happened. So that we started working on the plants. And I said nowadays we don't fear too much too many days without rain. As well, we don't fear too much too many days with too much rain since the plants are enough strong to survive. Uh, I guess in some years we will have to start making us some questions on what to do in the future, since uh, I don't know if the temperature will go up uh, too much, maybe, <laughs> as I was saying you off the mic uh, before, uh, maybe we will have to start uh, thinking about doing something else. But I think that uh, it will be a, a far future and uh, we have to we have to start uh, working on, on two days and on tomorrow, not the day after tomorrow. I would say another thing that uh, was pretty interesting in this period of uh, Corona, you know, Franciacorta is uh, pretty near Milan, so a lot of uh, airplanes fly over the, uh, the Franciacorta area. During the Corona lockdown, we had no planes flying on, uh, on the vineyards. What we did uh, realize uh, was that uh, the plants were really greener than usual. So I think also that uh, human may may try to stop a little bit uh, or maybe may try to change a little bit what it's doing. We can maybe start designating other, other areas where the flight can fly or when the car can go or maybe we can stop using the cars. So that's maybe one solution to what are we doing. I, what I appreciated here in, uh, in uh, Norway was that uh, I saw a lot of electric cars. In Italy, this isn't, uh, this isn't real. It is so slow for Italian people to understand that uh, the environment needs to be taken care of. So I hope that uh, all, all the world will uh, realize that and start making better things for everyone. With, with Corona, did you have any uh, challenges as, uh, uh, following that as well? I know that several producers has had challenges with getting enough workers for the harvest and things like that. It was really a big challenge since at the beginning when we started mm, looking for people since, uh, you know, during the harvest we passed from 64 people working in the winery to six, seven hundred, uh, some days maybe 1,000 people working. So we had uh, really uh, big problems coming from founding people working for us. After that, I guess a lot of other producers helped us and we helped other producers. So we were able to make up teams that uh, could work on... Uh, we, we have a big advantage to the other producers since uh, we are the last beginning the harvest. So when we start the harvest, almost all the others have ended. So a lot of people that did other harvests came to us and helped us. You know, we are a little, a little place and uh, we are pretty old friends and when we can, we help each other. I want to come a bit back to more happier themes. Uh, you talked a little bit earlier that in the beginning you Franche Corta wanted to be very similar to Champagne, but after some years you started to wanting to go your own way. Would you deliberate a bit more about uh, what 
the difference between how do you what is the stylistic differences between Franciacorta uh, in general and maybe especially of Bella Vista and of Champagne? Okay, I would say the main difference uh, is coming from the acidity. You know, uh, Champagne acidity is something you cannot uh, find in anywhere else, I guess. Since they have uh, a unique soil, they have a unique climate, they have uh, something really uh, unrepeatable. Uh, so when we did realize this, we found out that uh, Franciacorta has uh, another thing that uh, cannot be copied by anyone. That is the fruity flavors. We got uh, a wonderful Chardonnay that uh, expresses in uh, a really unique way. We got uh, really a good elegance. We got uh, really a good style. And I would say unique and uh, so different from the others. And we got also a very nice expression of Pinot Noir. Our Pinot Noir, I guess, it is really different from Champagne Pinot Noir. But also it is uh, something uh, typical. Um, so, yeah, mm, you know, I guess in, in a glass of Franciacorta you will find at the beginning some flavors you don't really are used to feel when you drink Champagne. I, I cannot say if one is better than the other. I guess it is just different. And uh, I, I think that uh, for someone that has never drink, never, uh, never like a Franciacorta, uh, it will be a big surprise to taste it. You also have uh, a whole line of different uh, wines that you make, different cuvées. Would you tell us a bit about the difference between the different wines? Sure. Uh, you know, mm, we can divide what we produce into three different groups. The first group is maybe the um, better known group, and it is made by the, the cuvée wines, so the non-vintage wines. Nowadays we produce uh, two cuvées uh, coming from... Uh, uh, 85 different uh, basical wines since you know uh, Bella Vista owns 210 hectares and we produce 146 different basical wines um, so we decide to produce two cuvee made by 85 different wines and made with 12 different vintages so we mix it up together to find a wine that describes the style of the uh, of the winery the two wines are, one, it is the most important wine we produce, the most known wine we produce, that is uh, Alma Gran Cuvée, the, the wine with the orange label that maybe everyone will recognize. And the other one is uh, Alma Non Dosato, so a Padosé version of the first. We are working on another Cuvée wine that uh, will be released uh, in 2021, that will be um, a Cuvée, so it will be made with different vintages and different basical wines. And it will be a rosé. So you will find maybe something that uh, will describe uh, in an easier way uh, Bella Vista. In the second group, we can find the vintage wines. Vintage wines are divided in style. Got, we got the brute vintage, that is maybe uh, the most important vintage we produce because it is the, also the, the one we produce most and it is dedicated to the Teatro La Scala, so one of the well, best known theatre in the, in the world. We got the rosé vintage. We got uh, a unique wine we produce only in Franciacorta that is satin, a blanc de blanc wine with uh, lower pressure, so it is so silky, so smoothy, and uh, it is something you can drink only in Franciacorta. And another wine named uh, Paso Pere, that is a wine, the, uh, maybe the the wine that won the most prizes in uh, in Bella Vista during the history, 
It was also the first wine that was noticed by uh, Robert Parker. Uh, and it is a wine that uh, describes, uh, at best, I guess, the style of our winemaker, Mattia Vezzola. The last group is covered by only one wine. And the last wine is uh, our Reserva. Uh, so it is uh, Reserva Vittorio Moretti. That is a wine we only produced uh, 11 times in 43 years, only in the best vintages. Maybe not in the best vintages, but in the best vintages for that kind of wine. And it is uh, a big challenge for us to try every year to produce it. We almost never reach the goal. So that's really very, I don't know how to say, we are really happy when we can reach that goal, but we always try. The Alma is perhaps the wine that is most known to the Norwegians because you can find it in a wine monopoly quite easily. Uh, what makes that wine special? Uh, you know, this year we got the big surprise and the big honor to be listed in uh, Monopolies uh, uh, with Alma. Uh, it was something we were trying to reach. We expected to reach maybe at the end of the year. Uh, it happened at the, at the beginning. Uh, so it has been really a big surprise. I think that Alma is uh, in that position since uh, it is the wine that describes in the better way the quality of what we do. I guess that this goal was reached uh, thanks also the people that work with us uh, here in, uh, in Norway. We work with a wonderful distribution, Gaia Distribution, that uh, made a huge work. They are really inside Bella Vista. They are one of them, uh, Christine, she's uh, the founder, also worked in Bella Vista. So we have someone in Norway that speaks our language and knows what we do. So the work that was made in the last year allowed us to be so strong nowadays here. I would say strong, but I don't want to say strong because we can be stronger. So I hope that uh, the work is that just on, at the beginning and we got so many things to do. And But I, I'm sure that we are on in the right team to do that. It's the style that has some dosage that is in the the wine monopoly shells, would you also make a non-Rosato style? And is that because of changes in, in climate more, or is it more just a stylistic choice? Um, you know, I guess that uh, the wine listed is uh, uh, the wine with more dosages uh, because the non-Rosato was the last released. It was released only one and a half year last uh, ago. Uh, so I guess it is not so known. I don't remember when it, it was started to be sell, sold in uh, in Norway, maybe in September of the last year. So uh, it, it was something new. It is something we are really focusing on, but we know that the main um, player w- of this challenge will be the Alma, classical Alma, with a little bit higher dosage. I have to say that Klima did change also the wines since we are enlowing all the dosages of the wines. So if we take a look back to, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, all the dosage were 50 to 60% more than today. Nowadays, with the fact that uh, the maturation comes before, the maturation comes even in a stronger way, so we got more sugar uh, residual in the grape. So we got to push a little bit on uh, lack of sugar because we got too much sugar residual. And so I guess the wines will be even year by year, they will be less with less dosage. I like it since I like really a lot the low dosage wine or the Padose wine, because I think that uh, sugar is uh, the best friend of wine, but sometimes it covers some flavors of the wine. 
So the less sugar you make, the, you, you put in a, in a bottle, the more, ta- the more you can feel the taste of the grape. I think with sparkling wines, and I agree with you completely, but I think with sparkling wines, then often when you have uh, non-dosé wines, then the acidity gets quite sharp. So when I try to match wine and food, then I often I like wines with a little bit of dosage to to match better with the food. And talking about that, have you got some ideas on what to match with with the Alma wines? What kind of food would you eat with it? You know, yesterday night I was with uh, two really good uh, sommeliers, uh, with two very good uh, Norwegian sommeliers, and we were arguing about the fact that uh, the, the sparkling wines in general are the easiest to match usually. Uh, since uh, they have this big acidity that helps to be maybe matched to really fat dishes, so to really strong dishes, but at the same time it can be matched uh, with uh, fish, with raw fish especially. You know, what I like of Alma is that uh, you can start a dinner with Alma, or if you are in Italy, you can start your aperitivo with Alma, and uh, you can go on with Alma, and you can end with Alma. Sometimes we do something really funny, in my opinion, in Italy, in uh, in Bella Vista. Uh, We do entire dinners drinking Alma, so the same bottle, in different sizes. We start with the half bottle and we end up with the nine liter. In the middle, we got the normal bottle, the magnum, the three liter and the six liter. And I, I have to tell you, the flavor is completely different in the, uh, in the different of the sizes. So one specific thing I, I would say that is that um, there is, n- talking about Alma, obviously, there is not the perfect match. I, f- I think there is the perfect moment, the perfect person to drink this wine with uh, this wine is pretty uh, matchable with almost everything so I would say maybe not to match with overcooked meat with uh, brasato for for example in Italy that would be maybe a suffer for Alma because it will disappear in front of the dish but uh, in general with uh, I guess Norwegian kitchen would be really Easy to what, imagine. what I enjoy about sparkling wine as a whole, and maybe with Alma in particular as well, is that it matches really well with a lot of dishes that is difficult to match uh, with wine. I think especially because it has had quite some time on the lease, then you get a bit of umami in the wine, and the umami makes it a lot easier to match with umami-rich dishes as well. I'm, I'm totally agree with what I say, I'm sorry if I interrupt you. Since I was talking to some of the best sommeliers I ever I ever met, uh, and everyone told me that the best thing to match was uh, sake, because sake was uh, matching with everything. Because sake had this uh, umami that was perfect for every single match they were trying. And uh, yeah, I'm totally agree with what you just said because the lees bring some of this umami also to sparkling wines. We, we have some of the classical Norwegian dishes like uh, pinnashatu's dried uh, uh, rack of lamb. It's quite sweet and it comes with, um, with a, a turnip mash and the fat from the rack of lamb as well. So it's a very, very rich dish that we usually serve for Christmas. Very difficult to make good wine matches with. But when you come to sparkling wines, especially with some age, then it makes a good uh, a good match. And there has to be some 
dosage in the wine as well because if you have a non-dosage then it it sort of cuts through the the fat too much and you don't get that uh, good match so it's uh, even good for those uh, difficult uh, norwegian uh, dishes that were probably made uh, during the viking time i was thinking a bit about uh, where where do you see yourself in the future is uh, bellavista thinking about expanding more or is it sort of uh, working with uh, uh, better quality or or are you happy where you're at now you know uh, we are never happy about us since uh, we always find something we can uh, fix and something we can uh, get better in nowadays we are not going to grow anymore Uh, it's about uh, 15 to 20 years we stopped uh, we stopped the buying land since we think that we got the best wineries in the area. We are expanding with our other wineries uh, outside the Franciacorta area, but we are not, we are concentrated on the quality on, um, on Be- in Bella Vista, since uh, we found out that uh, our actual dimensions are the best dimensions for the kind of quality we are looking for. So we are actually working on uh, a lot of study of uh, new cuvee, uh, we are fixing maybe the QV already existing and we are researching for something that can bring us more quality. We got uh, uh, our chef de cave, uh, I would say in a French way, or winemaker if you say in an English way, or enologo in the Italian way, uh, that is working for with us uh, since uh, 1981, so 39 years. And uh, these 39 years have been so intense. I hope we will we will have uh, other 39 years uh, in the future with him, but I think it is pretty impossible. Uh, but uh, you know, um, in the last three years, Francesca Moretti, who's uh, the the daughter of the owner of uh, Bella Vista, uh, is approaching Bella Vista. So I would say that uh, in the next year we will work in this cooperation between Francesca and Mattia, and uh, we will see maybe what a fresh mind will bring to our historical winemaker. Maybe we will see some changes in that way. The first change we we did it, we did find was in uh, Alma non dosato. That was an idea of uh, Francesca, and uh, that was an idea that uh, at the beginning worried a lot uh, Mattia. But from the start, from the beginning. Mattia and Francesca started cooperating in a magnificent, ma- magnificent way. So I guess that uh, this will be the changes for our future, to fix uh, what, uh, what can be fixed and to try to get to always better level our wines. Thank you very much for coming, Simone Visari, brand ambassador of Bella Vista. Thank you.